0: Essentially, from a scientist, I'm now a facilitator. I'm <laughs> a facilitator. I'm, I'm I'm listening to needs and I'm facilitating the projects by serving R&D guys, serving software guys, talking to the marketing guy, talking to the guys doing branding. You know, you you, you switched into becoming a facilitator from being a guy who had the, the idea. And you know what? Honestly, I really like that. <laughs>
1: Hi everyone, it's Marissa Bryan here, back with another episode of Scaling So Far, um, and uh, kind of continuing in the theme of amazing science and how amazing science is uh, changing our world at the moment. Um, I'm really excited today to be chatting with Camille Tamiola, CEO and founder of a biotech company called Peptone. It is the protein intelligence company. We'll be hearing a bit more from uh, from Camille exactly about what all of that means in a moment. And trust me, I am super excited to find out about this as well, because um, it's something that I've only been hearing just little snippets about. And I think we're going to get some serious knowledge bombs dropped on us today. So I'm looking forward to that. But first, Camille, welcome. How's it all going?
0: Uh, thank you so much. I mean, I'm pitchy, and these are really busy days. As you said, <clears throat> science is back. Science is back big time with Biden with restoring you know belief in the science <laughs> so people in the scientific domain not just in pharma have hence you know plenty plenty of work actually to to
1: catch up mm-hmm. so i think good. it's i am actually going to potentially even get a tattoo made of that science is back i think it's so great that you know, we're we're moving beyond the uh the age of uh, media and speculation and into a fact based truth and and certainly that's something that I'm very passionate about as well. So I am excited to be talking to you about this. Um, and tell me, Camille, tell us a bit about yourself, your story, how, where you were, and and where you are now.
0: Um, absolutely. Um, I'm a physicist. I I I'm not an AI expert by no means. I've started by studying molecules, proteins, which actually don't have a structure. So you might have heard about deep mm. fold, uh, alpha fold and deep mining, the fact that they were working protein folding. I mean, I've been working protein unfolding. So studying the molecules which actually do not fit into what folding is. And I was incredibly lucky to work with people who pretty much defined the field and discovered that these proteins that don't have a shape and don't fold caused around 70 very debilitating diseases, such as Alzheimer's and Parkinson's. Mm. And um, I was incredibly lucky to, to, to witness firsthand a lot of this work being um, unfolding in front of my eyes or, or you know having firsthand access to the data or some research papers about this. And finally, um, I also very quickly realized that doing experiments or working with big magnets and studying motions of running is great, but how great would it be? to use actually computers to make a sense out of the data. So um, I switched from just doing experimental physics to supercomputing, so using computers which are massive, great, and you can call them supercomputers, and trying to actually reconcile what we see in the lab uh, with this supercomputing. You could call this molecular computational physics or computational biology. And of course, AI happened. AI, a big AI moment happened. And you know, AI has been around for years. Let's be honest. What has changed, however, was that people realized that you can use a graphic processor in your laptop, in your phone, to do a very complex matrix algebra, which, by the way, is a mathematical foundation of AI. Mm. And the whole revolution started as the very first application in cognitive systems, so recognizing uh, objects, recognizing photos. Perhaps you might have even used a Facebook app that shows you how you're going to look in twenty five years from now, yes, and then essentially this AI has been rapidly evolving and penetrating into different domains, including biotechnology and and this is this is where we are, and I think the ai is about it's about to stay in that domain, given how much has happened in the past let's say two years in the space so these are very exciting times
1: so it's a combination of bio. Chem- no, not biochemistry, it's a combination of molecular computational physics. Did I get that yes. right?
0: You did everything right. In other words, mm-hmm. you're trying <laughs> to use physics on a very fundamental molecule level. Mm-hmm. to essentially reason and understand the very fundamental laws of, of, of life. And what is the what, what do we mean? Protein folding, how proteins work, why they work, how enzymes work, why some proteins mm-hmm. unfold, why it's impossible to bind something to a protein. Why is it difficult to make to make a protein sometimes in the first place, such as antibodies? Um, mm-hmm. And and you know, as as it is said in a, in a, in a, in general in sciences, ex over omnia, everything has a beginning from an egg, meaning that everything has a beginning, and the beginning is actually fundamental physics. Mm-hmm. So the fact that we know how to design drugs, or we can attempt to use computers to design drugs, is because we understood how molecular physics works, and we understand how molecular physics works because in 30s and 40s of the past century, people laid the foundations for quantum mechanics and quantum chemistry, and mm-hmm. then we just abstractified it and we scaled it up, and and we can run these calculations in scalable and reproducible way. So um, now AI is making a, a very big moment and a comeback into biophysical sciences because AI has been present in our sciences. In 90s people were poking around, in 80s people were poking around. However, with you know once 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 you have access to bigger compute resources and more data is available, you can start doing really unbelievable things. Yes. Mm -hmm. Unbelievable things such as, you know, you see what happened with the COVID. Yes. I mean, Mm -hmm. 10 months from, let's say, discovery to the formulation of effective vaccine. Now, there are two factors at play. One is great science. The other is a shift in the culture of doing science. Yes. So refocusing scientific society, refocusing pharma on one, purpose-driven mission make a vaccination so it's not just about science it's also about the way you do it and um and you know and as i said these are fantastic times to be in that domain it's fantastic time to you know close the round and have a really being oversubscribed of clients who say you know what we are working on antibodies against covid or we are making a vector that delivers the maybe mrna or some part of vaccination and we would love to make it more stable or make more of it and we don't want to go and do experiments why because while we do experiments people will die so is there a way to yes, is there is there a, a way, way? We can figure it out yeah you see what i mean like before yeah. it was like oh you know um we're making medicines it's more efficient we'll save us some money but you know by large we are not affected now all these people who made the decisions decision, essentially figure out well maybe it's going to be my mom or maybe it's going to be my grandma dying i don't mm-hmm. want that to happen we have to really we are all in it together it's not any longer about a better cancer drug or a better um you know a therapy for somebody with a disease it's mm. a disease it's a plague literally which affects mm. everybody on irrespective of where you are what you do in life and a major shift in thinking must have happened in order to facilitate all this great science which is out there about you know bonding together and It's great that people realize that we can also use computers for that and we can make a sense out of the data using machine learning. And this couldn't have been... This is a renaissance of computational biology, seriously.
1: I'm just going to say that again. It's a renaissance of computational biology is that the mission for your company for peptone or, or what, how would you describe the vision and mission of what you're doing yes
0: i mean you know what um <clears throat> to understand the mission to, to understand the mission and the market in which we operate you have to ask yourself a question how does the capitalistic world operate including investors yes mm-hmm. there is something which we call a pareto principle or a power law. what does it mean it means that people usually do eighty percent of the time during your day is spend on things which you would consider as useless and hypothetically is supposed to lead to 20% of things which essentially establish that you had a successful day. Mm-hmm. The same is in investing. You invest in lots of companies with the hope that 10 or 20% will return the whole investment, and mm-hmm. that's that's the hypothesis of venture capitalists. You see, science works in the same way. We evaluate, we venture out, we, we search for solutions for problems which, for sh- to short-sighted people, they, they seem like a waste of time and resources only for somebody to come in and string things, piece things together and just come up with something that is transformative. Pharma, the, the very same pharma, is also subject to this law. What does it mean? 89% of protein-based drugs must fail in order for 11 to succeed because from this failure, researchers are, are learning, all right, well, that's the process. That's how to make more. That's how how to perfect it. And essentially what I'm trying to say is failure is an integral part of scientific discovery and the pharma space. And now how is it related to what we do? We embrace failure. We say to our clients, you're going to fail, we're going to rationalize it, and then we're going to design a better molecule together. Thus, our motto is fail, rationalize, design. Mm -hmm. and once again it's very powerful and important because when you go to people who work on seven different projects each one of them got investment 700 to 800 million dollars the pressure the scientists are under to deliver is tremendous you coming to them and telling them you're gonna fail but that's okay that's normal like that's exactly how great, great science is done you have to fail our role is To make a sense out of it, so next week when you go, your chance that you're gonna fail is mitigated or is lower. Why? Because now we understand why. So why would you go to the lab and make the same mistake twice when computer can tell you, buddy, there is anomaly, and you have to avoid anomaly. And of course, the more you fail, the better the system becomes at predicting. You know what? There is an anomaly in your molecule. And what if? What if the molecule which you are set to make would never work? because it's just physics, because you had the wrong hypothesis. What would you do and say then? Well, then we are hoping to come up with a solution, which in a very diligent and meticulous way, explains why, so that you can go to project manager, say, guys, this is not gonna fly. We have to kill this program, save 600 million, and put it on a rare disease program to save 250 more people. 250 Mm. more people saved is better the none and 700 million you know burned on some preclinical yeah. research that needs to nowhere and mm. as i said 89% of protein based drugs fail in 2018 570 nano, uh, antibody programs were started 62 advanced to the phase 2 of clinical trial efficacy study 13 mm. got approved mm. so and now Factor into this, the average cost of the whole pipeline from the end to end, yeah. 2.3 billion dollars. Mm. So you, you see what I mean? Like the amount of capital, the amount of risk that serious series of people need to take in order for drug to pan out is ridiculous. Mm-hmm. Now, we could easily switch to discovering new drugs, but would we would we mitigate the risk? Not at all. When you're discovering a drug and you are not fully developed, vertically integrated pharma company, you are like a baker who is coming up with the recipes and walking around and giving to people saying, try my recipe, hopefully something mm. works. You create risk for others. You engage them in projects which might be inherently risky. What we are trying to do is embrace this and say, look, big pharma guys take the risk. Small pharma guys have a R&D and a great ideas, but they do create a risk. There must be somebody in between that facilitates the conversation and tries to use mathematics Statistical physics to actually manage and compute the risk. And at the end of the day, really, I can slab AI, machine learning, physics, and whatever, molecular dynamics. At the end of the day, that's the gist of what we do. We are hoping that with AI and also computational physics, we can predict certain things and thus compute a risk profile for our clients and risk profile that will be factoring the decision process whether something should advance. Or something actually holds no promise in
1: moving in the pipeline.
0: And at the end of the day, that's really what we do.
1: It does sound like you picked almost the perfect time to create your company and to to bring to bring your ideas out into the world. How many of you are there on the team now? So right now we have a seven,
0: seven people, but I can tell you that we have closed around on the seventh of November. And mm-hmm. essentially we already short sure we have not enough people anymore given the how many clients came in with the requests or interest or POCs. And essentially, we literally going to be we are in the desperate need to scale the team mm. um, and scale in a very different capacities uh, hardcore science, operations, project management. Um, and, you know, we are in the process of figuring out and it's not trivial. It's really mm. trivial. And to hire right people to people who will also the team that will resonate with stakeholders and investors we have or a future investors. You know, that's and this is my first big company I'm building. I had a photo and multimedia business before, but nothing compared to the to um, importance and palette of clients and financial responsibility I have right now. And I can tell you, like, this is it's fascinating to see how team works, and it's fascinating that you you know uh, you are essentially from a scientist. I'm now a facilitator. Mm -hmm. I'm a facilitator. I'm 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 listening to needs. And I'm facilitating the projects by serving R&D guys, serving software guys, talking to the marketing guy, talking to the guys doing branding. You know, you you, you switch into becoming a facilitator from being a guy who can have the, the idea. And you know what? Honestly, I really like that.
1: It's that really famous like that. phrase that they say about hire great people and then get out of the way and let them be, let them do what they do. Absol- you know, abs yeah.
0: absolutely, I could not I could, I could not mm. agree more. The famous, the, the, so many quotes actually. Steve Jobs mm. found so many quotes, not to be cliche, mm. but he was absolutely right. Why would you hire a guy who's the inferior? Mm. And other thing is, I'm doing science with with our team, and to keep the people motivated, it's not just about financial rewards. It's about doing something fascinating because all of these guys with PhDs, they're, you know, mm-hmm. high level, very highly functional kind of scientists. They don't want to leave. A, they leave academia. They know they take a risk on their career, but they still want to do a great science. So you need to keep things exciting and you're not going to keep things exciting by pretending you know better from a guy who you know spent 10 years <laughs> digging into something and you pretend yeah i know it better oh but yeah i know you're talking about that way. <laughs> yes it just doesn't work that way you have to you have to put your ego aside and say you know what crap like what do you need to 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 succeed like whatever you need whatever is in our in our budget you know let's make that happen and just make sure it lines up with our development roadmap for sure but you know if you have an idea on your own um pursue it just you know you want to publish something let's, let's have a go
1: <laughs> absolutely so you just mentioned before obviously that you closed around um late last year um you've got your 2.5 in capital from hoxton ventures founders factory and drx capital so, firstly, congratulations. Thank like you. Like I said, I think I think you must have the the foretelling capabilities of Nostradamus to know that this was the exact perfect moment to launch this kind of <laughs> adventure in in the in the scheme of the world. But you probably didn't have foretelling skills. There was probably big data behind it that had been processed to figure out that this was going to be the right moment to do it. But tell us of the of that seed round, of that two point five million. What portion of that do you intend to put towards growing your team? eight um,
0: percent. I can give mm-hmm. you exact number. I mean, company. I, I, I com- suspected you would. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Compa- companies, companies like us. Let me be very clear. We spent a little bit of mo- quite a little bit of money on the supercomputer center in Iceland. Mm. Um, we made an ethical decision to compute in a center where. That is zero carbon footprint, which is mm-hmm. runs on complete renewables, and also cooling is, um, you know, air cooling and smart air conditioning. That's one thing. It's a commitment to society, commitment to environment, and also our clients who also have a very certain zero emission goals,
2: mm-hmm.
0: um, and with whom we collaborate and respect. But seventy eight percent is it's, it's it's human capital, and it, that's the best part of doing what I do. Just hiring great people. And seeing them grow, seeing them solving a the problem, that will save human lives. You know, at the end of the day, it's for better patient outcomes. Science is great. Money can be great. But when you can say, we were, we were a tiny, tiny piece of a big clinical program, and look at it. It succeeded. And people mm-hmm. will get treatments. Every time you're going to go to a pharma store and somebody will ask for this drug, it's a piece of you and your knowledge in it, you know. And it's incredibly rewarding. And we constantly talk about it, really. Mm-hmm. And, and you, can't, you don't have to motivate people. So scaling the team, that's, that's an obstacle. That's something really non-trivial, but also something that's incredibly exciting and rewarding when you see that a group of individuals who never met each other suddenly starts working like a, like a symphony, like a really rare written piece and, mm-hmm. and actually delivering incredible value um it's the most rewarding. It's the most rewarding really. I mean I play a lot of you piano know, when it's like playing Bach. You have he written everything in a it's a contrapuntal music, meaning that left hand plays something and suddenly right hand kicks in and you would say, Oh my god, who writes music like this? Just to make a perfect harmony. You didn't anticipate it, you didn't expect it yet, but the harmony will be overwhelming. All the things seem to be in a complete dissonance and are shifted. And that's exactly what is the best about building a right well Functioning teams. At the beginning, things are kind of funky. You pick people like a little nuggets of gold, and suddenly you have this like really organism, which is fine-tuned and self-adjusting. And I
1: think that's that's honestly that's the most rewarding part of my work. You did mention before that you feel like you're being a facilitator, um and you know when you when you give that kind of orchestra or the symphony analogy as well, it feels like you might be a little bit more than a facilitator, and you perhaps partly composer, partly conductor in this adventure that you're, that you're creating?
0: I mean, sometimes it's about, let me be very clear. I mean, we have no shortage of ideas, but the best source of ideas are our clients and their needs. And at the end of the day, in my domain, startups fail because of a lack of a product market feed. More than 70% of people, not competition, lack of product market fit. What does it mean? There's nobody who has actually interest in buying things from you or, or licensing. Mm. What does it mean? You have to listen to the clients. In our space, by definition, my business is very secretive. You need to build trust. So before before you land your rounds, before you get the money in the bank, you build the trust with the clients. You do proof of concepts. You meet them for conferences, and it's the same with the team. I brought some of the people from my team to the very first commercial contract. Mm -hmm. and i said you i want the stakeholder the big pharma company that is going to take the risk to see all of you that are going to be handling the data that's my commitment to them and the quality Mm -hmm. and and i explained these people going to handle your data you're paying for their time and their expertise solving your problem it's not computer software that is doing that these guys computer software come later first of all it's a human expertise in that room and that's what you are that's this project is not a single thing. This is your mm. investment in these people, in this talent. And it worked. And since then, if I only have a chance and non-disclosure agreement conditions allow this, I always do it with my clients. You need to mm. understand who's going to handle the data, who are all the stakeholders, who, who, who also in my team going to do the work for you. It's, it's fundamentally important. in Building and, the team and- trust is everything.
1: And and even whether it's the world of that I work in technology, whether it's the world that that you work in science, or or indeed any kind of human human interaction, that sort of foundation of trust and and mutual understanding and empathy is is pretty key to to how we move forward and how we are successful together as well.
0: I I could not agree more. I mean, I don't want to sound pretentious or in some sort of like you know oracle or whatever. Mm-hmm. Building business, doing business with people is about building relationships. Really. Yeah. I mean relationships to the level where sometimes clients call in and say you know what how's your family how's your son how are things in mm. Star? is there a lot of snow by the way we have a problem
2: <laughs> <Do> you know <laughs> I
0: mean and that's kind of this is the kind of service although we are although we are really deep tech company although we do a software which automates things but the human element and I also explained this on different interviews with with the financial magazines and specialized mm. magazines I don't believe fully in AI. I believe in AI helping people to offload their work and facilitate collaboration. Mm -hmm. Uh, But I do believe in people, first of all, then AI, then Mm -hmm. tools, then everything in the world. It's the people. I'm a humanist. People are at the very center for me and for everything that happens. And 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 that's why building business is about building relationships, knowing very well your clients, knowing your team, and making sure they are also very honest and upfront about their limitations and colliding these two. So matching expectation and, and also limit, uh, against limitations.
1: I'm going to ask you a slightly controversial question that you, may, you are welcome to fundamentally shut me down, disagree with me, and tell me about my own business. But in the world of science, from my experience and, and full disclosure, my fiance actually works in this space as well. So it's something I know a little bit about, but um, uh, it, there, there can be due to perhaps privilege playing a part in um, what access people have to education and what access people have to academia and and opportunity. There perhaps is a little bit um, uh, less maybe diversity or, or different kinds of folks, um, you know, joining in the conversation than there might be in other parts of the business world or, or the technology world. What do you think about that? And if you agree, how, how are you working to try and mitigate that risk as I, part of your business building?
0: I I agree entirely. So there is a very big debate. There is a very big... <laughs> yes, there is... There is oh, there is a very big debate going between underrepresentation of sex and different races, and there are countries. Mm. I'm not going to be mentioning this straight, mm. but there are countries where, yes, there is a very big disproportion, and, and you know, the the very the very important thing that people like in in startups. First of all, the very important thing that we can do as startups. Yes, I'm I'm nowhere near of resources of my investors such as Novartis. Mm. Yes, um. As a big pharma company, but although they do actually excellent job on inclusion, and they have mm-hmm. lots of programs, in fact, that it also inspire us. Mm. But first of all, very important thing is project the culture. What well, does it mean? Project the culture. Don't don't just open up and say, you know, well, if you're black, we you are welcome here. That's just ridiculous. Mm. You're welcome in my company because you're a scientist and you're a professional. Mm-hmm. But. What I need to do and why I, what I want to do is, whenever I have a chance in on a public forum, in a public space, it can be in restaurant, project the culture of the company. And if there are people around me, and surround yourselves with people, not just white scientists, but you know, people of different sex, people of different color, um, and 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 once again, and also be open, open about the problems which are which which we are facing. A very big problem of science itself, besides inclusion, is mental health. Mm-hmm mental health especially for ladies running a family having a kid finishing phd it's a nightmare Mm. it's Mm. impossible i mean for a guy it's impossible (laughs) if i wanted to study a piano and do the things it's impossible (laughs) but imagine now having a child Mm. yes so what can we do well it's very important to 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 open up and and talk about this and share your experience how do you feel as a parent how do you how do you mitigate things? Also as a guy, what is your spouse who's maybe not a scientist doing? Mm. Uh, you know, just creating an environment where people can open up and first of all, talk about the problem, but in a unconstrained, humane, and, mm. and, and you know, pleasant way. And I'm just mm. saying, I, I don't know, maybe it's born out of playing piano, but you practice things at the beginning, they sound horrible, but then you learn that after one month of doing these weird movements with your finger, you can play a very complex piece. And that's mm. exactly, it's the same here. You just have to, you have to practice this i'm what I'm trying to say is finally I'm completely against this artificial you know hiring campaigns about inclusiveness it's a little mm. bit a little bit silly and I think it's it's degrading for it's degrading for for talent you mm. should work in a company because you're professional not because you're woman mm. black or 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 whichever other able
1: yeah yeah yes i'm gonna i'm gonna have to to ask you a couple of finishing up questions now if that's right camille because we have covered the full gamut of subjects today i feel like and uh and, and I, I am certainly leading this conversation with more knowledge about certain things than I ever thought I would have in my life. Um, Lovely. and I thank you, but um, in particular, I want to thank you for explaining it in a way that I have an arts degree in languages, you know, so, um, to, to explain, to explain it to, to me and, and to hear your passion and enthusiasm for the problem that you're trying to solve, um, is, is for me what energizes me, what I enjoy about these conversations that we have with founders but um, for a few, few closing questions, I suspect I might know the answer to the first one already, but is there anything in particular that you listen to um, or read or watch for inspiration in your journey of being a founder? Um,
0: yes. I mean, that, wow, there like, are like plenty of... <laughs> the problem is that... The entire very
1: gamut of the classical canon from Bach. Yes, we've yes, we heard that that's,
0: one <laughs> that's, That is that is one thing that's that's absolutely thing i mean look i i follow i follow um a lot of blogs i follow a book mm-hmm. quite a few podcasts i don't have time mm-hmm. to listen to to everything mm-hmm. i'm also a really big book nerd
2: mm-hmm.
0: um but i, I love marcus tulis Cicero. i like the works of of like seriously mm-hmm. like asian i i love stoicism although i'm mm-hmm. nowhere near stoic and maybe that's what attracts mm-hmm. me i'm blown away by ability of of old Asian writers to observe reality. Mm-hmm. And you see what I mean? Observe reality, what does it mean? Being able to just basically listen to conversation and read through the lines. And it's in my business, it's incredibly important to scientifically also business wise to do that. And I'm just I'm for blown the benefit
1: of, of our audience, can you just repeat the name again, please?
0: So Marcus Marcus, the works of Marcus Turis Chicharon, yes, right. Now I okay. don't know how do you yeah. yes so 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 and also in uh, also what i love is um of course the the the, the, uh, the, the lots of memoirs also of of of, um, of famous scientists not biographies memoirs i their love diaries Their,
2: their diaries
0: their i love. yes I, i'm i'm fascinated how by how these highly functional individuals perceive reality around them Mm-hmm. And the really cool thing is when you look how they see the world and how it unfolds, and you have relatively objective body of work and history. Um, yes, I mean we really, live. For example, when I study uh, Einstein's memoirs, you can actually you can reconstruct kind of historical reality in which he operated, and just to see how a
1: highly functional guy like this operated on a daily basis. How do they do that?
2: Yes, where they mm-hmm.
1: Yes, I, I, I won't go down the rabbit hole, but I do wonder about him in particular, given what he was and the time in the world that he lived in. I think it must be a, a particularly interesting hypothesis to look at how he was experiencing the world as it was then and what that then drove him to do in terms of his discoveries. So. Absolutely. And you know why is this so important?
0: Because we are placing everything right now in the hands of scientists in the world with this dynamic conflicted mm-hmm. and full of misinformation. Mm, mm. Ability to look into for sources of objective truth. Yes, objective truth. Mm. It's it's invaluable. What's real? What's true? You see what I mean? And and that's what. Well, I don't know
1: about you, but we've spent the last few years being told that it's all fake. So we have to try and sort of move beyond that now. <laughs>
0: <laughs> no, it's 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 just it's just the ability to observe. Um mm. and 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 just try to make some sort of concise choice of your own. How mm. you know? How do you live your life? Where do you invest your time? Not just money, but time. In what? And I'm fascinated by whatever works. I can I can find on this. This really fascinates mm. me.
1: And um, and one final question, Camel. I again, I'm desperate to know the answer. And <laughs> um, is there a thought or a value or a particular saying that you live by?
0: Yes. And these are the values of Richard Feynman, who is my favorite scientist and favorite human mm-hmm. being of all time, was also controversial. So Feynman mm-hmm. was a Nobel Prize winner in physics, but mm-hmm. he has become even more famous by being one of the best physical edu- physics educators and explainers of of the problems. And um, you know, I I I I I would love to even in a, in whichever minute. Amount of capacity replicate mm-hmm. his success in explaining things,
2: mm-hmm.
0: and especially when you work with complex things. And this is this is something he's. Um, he yeah. had lots of really uh, very famous sayings, and I I, I really love them. I also I also love uh, lots of uh, sayings and trying to live by them by uh, Ernest Hemingway.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And I loved his. I loved his. Br- I mean, it was very also very romantic. But I loved his incredibly br-
1: romantic. But it was brutal, but, <laughs> it was but, yes,
0: but, but Hemingway was the guy, who whatever he said he did. So when he, mm-hmm. there was a, when in, in Paris, when he stumbled in a bar, and there is a guy talking about some personal problems, and he's drunk, and he says, you know what, have you ever killed a lion? And the guys is like, I mean, I did many times. Look, like left me a scar. You see what I mean? Out of random, but he was a guy who said these things. You would say, you lost your mind. What are you talking about? He actually did it. You see what I mean? And I, I love this about it. He's dramatic. He says these things, but he did them. He lived through it. Like all that is there to writing is just you. You just sit and bleed. You mm-hmm. see what I mean? Just describing his. I have his heard that one
2: of his before as there, well. Yeah.
0: there is nothing better. There's no better companion than a book. You <laughs> see what I mean? It, it's, it's. I, I really fascinating. They are very dramatic, but also very mm-hmm. true, and I really like that. And as I said, the study of character he, himself um, is fascinating because he actually did it. He was not just bragging. He did the things, mm-hmm. and it's. I think that when you did things, then you have a right to brag yes mm-hmm. not vice versa. And, mm-hmm. and that's what i what i'm really fascinated by i mean it's quite conflicting but,
1: <laughs> but
0: uh, i'm I, I mean, really excited in, the, in the
1: short time that we've been speaking to each other camille i've got the impression that you are very much someone who feels or doesn't feel about certain things it's kind of a you have a a very passionate approach to to the way that you see the world and the way that you approach problems and and that is certainly something that I adore in human humanity um when people are like that and they um you know they're so enthusiastic even if it's a part of the world that I I don't know much about um it's just so interesting and and um and unique to hear your perspective um so for that I want to thank you um, for the time Thanks today, so. and in particular, I want to thank you for sharing the story of Pepstone, which is genuinely fascinating to me anyway. But in this particular time that we're living in, especially fascinating and um, and and inspirational. To, without wanting to sound trite, so I wish you and your team fundamentally the most enormous luck um, and growth and success in what you're trying to do. And I've no doubt that at some point in my own future, um, I'll be touched in some way by the work that you and your team are doing. So thank, thank you very much. And I have so no much. doubt that we'll chat again soon. Take care. That
0: was fantastic. Thank you so much. Take care and stay safe, out there. Take care.
1: Thanks.